what uh, what you guys have been up up to thus far for the album. So you've been in New York for three days now. Uh, yeah, this is our third day. And and it's been interviews and interviews and performance and yeah, it's been pretty pretty intense. Yeah. I, well, I think so, but I haven't been doing it well, as it long as been. Yeah, it's been long. It's been, yeah. It's just, this is probably pretty, for, for, for what you're, you're used to, this has probably been a pretty casual couple of days, right? No, even by my own standards, it's been, it's been, uh, yeah. it's been, it's been one thing after another. It's been really, in, in a good way, you know, yeah. it's it, the way the record's been received has brought about, uh, has set the stage for how busy it is. Yeah, um, and the timing—I um, guess the timing lined up just right for a European tour that you were already doing. Yeah, and it worked out that it was—it uh, timed out with the release of the record that was already going to be on tour. So, yeah. Mom agreed to come out. Mother's Day couldn't have been a coincidence. No, it wasn't a coincidence, actually. We—we'd been talking about this since. Yeah, I thought it was a. a Good release day, or at least I think we're maybe right before Mother's Day or something. Close to it, I yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, you want to get it out a few days in advance, right? You make a record with your mom, you may as well release it on Mother's Day. And it's a nice Mother's Day gift, by the way, just in, in case anyone's out there wondering what to do for their mom. Yeah. I mean, what he gave me is the gift yeah. of, a, of an album. So you can either buy this album or go record oh, go an album with your with mom. You, exactly, yeah. Um, you said you'd been talking about this for how long we've been talking about doing an album together for the last 17 years wow. yep. 18 years what that's when we first did something together for um danny clinch um photographer filmmaker and just exactly that's what we did we were talking about it yep. and then um it it came to pass and what 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 had to happen for this? The best part about talking about making a record for that long <laughs> is that you are consciously, subconsciously, or unconsciously preparing for it, hmm. writing for it, aiming. F- you know, it's it's uh, it's the pre-production that a record that the record needed, hmm. whether you knew it or not. I didn't know it at the time, but I was setting songs aside. I'd write a song that would fit because I write in a lot of different styles and I write a lot. And the good thing about the bad thing about writing a lot is you come to realize that a lot of what you do isn't great. Hmm. But the flip side of that is, if you do write a lot, you're gonna eventually hit on something worth keeping, hopefully. And so, over 17 years, when I'd write something that I thought would sort of meet the criteria for a record that would fit for Mom and I, I just set it aside because I knew I would be writing other music in different styles uh, for other things that I was working on, whether it be Fistful of Mercy or um, Innocent Criminals. As I got, I've, got song, I've got a whole batch of songs for the Innocent Criminals as well mm-hmm. that I've been setting aside since we've uh, been on hiatus. So when it is, it, it, taking time away from things is sometimes just another way for working in a different fashion. But um, subject matter or, you know, playing to your mom's musical strengths, what, what made a song fit? It would have to be it lyrically and sort of melodically as far as what would work for a duet was what I was looking for. Did, did you, I mean, did you play a role in, in the writing at all? I did. I wrote four of the songs. Yeah. 
is, is there is there an overarching theme? I mean, it seem there seems to be. They well, seem, seems to be a little, um, you know, self-referential. I guess maybe. It, well, it seems to be self-referential, but you know, uh, and that, and I guess that's a good thing because yeah. it, that it's like we really mean what we're singing. But it's also I I hope more of a universal. Mm-hmm kind of theme to it I mean I, you know you want people to be able to relate to what you're saying and um, is there an overall theme I think there is I think there's sort of a thread that runs through it about family home relationship the uh, the four songs that that you have on the record is, it, is, is this also the, the culmination of 17 years of writing it's part of I mean it's the ones that fit Ben yeah. actually as the producer kind of had the vision and the and the sense of of what worked which I was grateful that he did and um so you know I brought a few songs and said yeah let's try this one let's try this one and maybe not this one which probably wasn't easy for him to say but but he you know he was like I say and I trusted his judgment so but you've been you've been writing songs I've been writing songs forever yeah some good some not so good (laughs) Is it is it is it hard telling your mom that a this song isn't going to make it on the record? It wasn't hard because it wasn't for the reason of the song not being good. Mm-hmm. The songs you brought me were great, but once we had established sort of a, an identity for this record, three songs in, it became that became the challenge. What songs? I mean, she did it with me. I played her. I had a, a bunch of songs that I would play and see her response and reaction. Like I'm going to see how you know where this goes so it wasn't so much a matter of this song's good this song's bad this song it wasn't any of that it was more just about what was going to fit as far as production um the direction of the melodies and 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 also lyrically because a mother and son you know that can easily go in a direction that uh it shouldn't. So it was. It was. You know, seventeen years gave us a good amount of time to to get our heads around. You know how we wanted this record to to play out, and from that point, sort, sorting through the material was the fun part, really. To say, okay, this song is great, but it's not going to work, whether it was mine or hers. Mm-hmm. Just uh, figuring out what from our, our, our from our archives, past and present, was going to be able to slot in. And- Looking back over over the project, it's 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 like we we created a body of work, like in the old days when an album was a body of work, a collection of work, and there was you know a, a commonality to the songs. And I think just be, basically because of our up, upbringing and background in music, I think that's where it wanted to to go back to those days. So, so you know you you'd mentioned that um you know I guess there are certain subjects you, know, you don't you maybe don't want to broach uh w- w- on a, an album with a, a mother and, and son and I'm wondering um yeah as as you get ready to embark on this tour how you expect this tour to be different with your with your mom coming along Oh it's I couldn't be more excited to, to especially to be able to have that as a as a component to this tour I mean this isn't a proper tour of my mom and I, I the, the, as you said, the tour was yeah. booked as a solo tour. But the fact that the record is coming out now and my mom's willing to come on tour, um, you know, the show's going to need that. I like the, what what my mom's going to bring and add to the show. I wish it would. I I just I did two 
previous tours in the States, uh, solo work, and I, I, I wish I would have had you out then. I'm, but so this is a, it's a special kind of, you know, uh, and I, I was looking for a way to make this tour different. I was like, yeah. how am I going to, what? Because I don't like to do the same, I don't do the same tour twice, even if it is my own solo work. And my mom was willing to come out. We've got this record. It, it was the, the exact thing I musically needed to stay inspired at the right time. We did. I did a few Southern California shows with him on, on his solo tour. At the, right at the end, I think it was. Yeah. Well, one at the beginning, and then oh, yeah, one at the beginning. Yeah, and then and then at the end, and um, it was it was really a rewarding experience. And we were <coughs> had we were we halfway through, or we had yeah we hadn't finished the album at that point because we we finished in December, so we were halfway through. You, you were testing the waters a little bit. No, not so much. We just were, you know, it, it, there were some Southern California shows and, and it just made sense for my mom to come out. Uh, it could have been seen as a testing ground, but I'm not a big music tester. Yeah. Either the song stands up or it doesn't. I, I, I guess I just mean in terms of um, playing in front of so many people all of a sudden, you know, it's because it seems like, I mean, obviously you've been playing music for a long time, but then you... you you join on with Ben, and you're in front of everybody. The, all the, same the zero time. to sixty yeah, exactly. factor. Um, yeah. Well, I had not ever played really big venues. I've Ben's brought me up on stage a few times in the past. We hadn't done it recently, and and they were pretty big crowds. And uh, the first time was Santa Barbara Bowl, and and um, what was it five thousand people? I mean, that was huge. I had never played for so many people, but. Uh, other than the knees shaking a little bit, we we did it. And uh, you, you never, I don't I, see you get nervous. I don't know how you um, do. You well, had it well. Yeah, <laughs> I <laughs> I get the flutters for sure. Yeah. But uh, so so tell me about um, tell me about the Folk Music Center. Well, the Folk Music Center has been around. It was started in 1958 by my mother and father, Charles and Dorothy Chase, Ben's grandparents course and um it's a it's a music store it's a museum and gallery of musical instruments from all over the world it's an educational institution we have we do field trips museum loans shows all kinds of things and teach lessons and classes and put on a folk festival (laughs) are these things that it sort of accrued over the years yeah yeah it is and um and really um I think it would be fair to say that the Folk Music Center is probably as much of our both of our childhood homes as anywhere is. I, mean, I was raised there; he was raised there. You never. Anytime anybody goes into a, a creative pursuit, invariably somebody asks what their their parents think of of it. But I assume that you've been pretty on board with the music thing as a career since from the beginning. With with Ben being a professional musician, as far as Ben being a professional, um, oh yeah, oh absolutely. Yeah. Um, n- not that I even knew what that really entailed, you know, beyond local coffee house. You know, in the beginning, I mean, it, every a lot of people in the family can you know pick up and play a guitar, mm-hmm. and people that we know, and um, but Ben has certainly has taken it, taken it beyond, and. Um, I guess maybe celebrity is it was an interesting concept to deal with, you mm-hmm. know, when that started happening. But you know, he's 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 made a career and and not had to lose any of his integrity. So, 
Was there any? Was there ever any question for you? I mean, it, obviously, music was there from from the beginning. Yeah, no, there, there was. There were times in my life, and especially in my teens, mid late teens, where you know I was further or closer to it for sure. But it's always been. It's always been. Um, it's been there. Yeah. I just had to step to it and and find the discipline and the commitment to it. And once that happened, yeah, there was no looking back, no no fallback plan or anything like that. And you, I mean, I mean, you you got to encounter some pretty prominent people over the years through the through the store. For sure. I mean, who was who was coming in and out? Well, you know, the the most special part about the music store are the people that the names that you'll never recognize. Mm. Uh, those are the people that took the most time and had the most patience as far as teaching and and um the stories and telling you the ways of of uh, music outside the doors of that store and, and introducing me to new music um i won't yeah i won't prattle on too much about that but you know of course there's you know jackson brown from jackson brown to leonard cohen to i don't know everybody else i mean everyone's been it's such a special place that you know if you haven't been there yeah you know it's you should go. <laughs> it's it's that kind of a place. But uh, Taj Mahal and David Lindley and Ry Cooter and all the greats have definitely, you know, graced us with their presence in that music store. But again, it's the names that you might not know that yeah. that may that were the difference makers in my life musically. What what uh I, I mean it's probably hard to put your finger on it, but what you know, what, what why why you know, why why this music shop in in Claremont? Why not, you know, why not any any music store anywhere in, in LA. I'm not sure what you mean. How, how did what, this become, you know, such a hub, is? and how is it how is it maintained through oh. the years? Well, I think um, when my parents arrived in in Claremont, my father was in graduate school, and um, he, he became a school teacher, or he had been before, but he was a school teacher. It, um, it they brought the music with them from the East Coast. My mother played multiple instruments and always taught and put on events and um there was just an immediate uh draw to them you know they were in their in their home i mean, there was such a need at that time that for people to play musical instruments and to gather and and there was also a somewhat of a force field of politics and the whole thing too that that was part of it and um they it just got so intense so quickly that they opened the store within the first year that they were there and uh, it grew and grew and uh, I, I guess I, I don't you know I, I don't tend to think of LA as being as, as much of a, a hub for the you know for the folk music movement of the 60s as, as, as oh, New York actually but. well you know New York certainly has has a lot more publicity yeah. you know there's a, a lot more notoriety about it but you know, a lot of very famous people got started there, which is kind of how things are marked, you know, by the the names that came through a place. But, um, you know, there was a, a big circuit. There was the Ash Grove in L.A. There was the um, Penny University in, in Riverside. There was Redlands? Yeah. Riverside. And then there was the Golden Ring and the Folk Music Center in Claremont, which was my parents. And so it was a whole circuit. And then they... Palomino, right? That, that maybe in the early in the was that early seventies or late sixties of Palomino. And the coach house as well, and it, it's kind of Troubadour. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you've got the Laurel Canyon. Yeah, that's when it really sort of it got LA took on its its yeah. identity, kind of its post folk boom into the sort of whatever it came out of that. 
But it's amazing how many of those people came through Folk Music Center and how many mm. people learned that way, in the old way, you know, the by ear, by sitting down and copying people's licks and playing along and, you know, getting... getting how did how did you guys learn to, to play rhythm? I mean, you, you can both feel this question. Well, um, you know, part of part of our learning to play, I think, at least, you know, if I can say so, is just being around it so much yeah. and being around not just you know performance, but being around people, putting a song together, or rehearsing with other people, uh, writing a song, um, you know, how that happens. Watching, you know. Ben must have seen my mother teach a million classes, you know, and it all just, you know, you absorb it. And uh, so you know, I was 14 when I picked up the guitar and I just started watching people and, you know, would grab anybody. The house was always full of musicians. You know, hey, how do you do that? Hey, how do you do that? How do you, you know, and... Uh, are they um, are are they are they receptive when they see a kid hanging around the store? Very much so, because the the store is students and kids and and um, there's a youthful nature to the to the store. Mm. It's been there since 1958, but there, there's is there's been now five generations that have worked in that music store, and there have been that many generations, if not six, that have come through the doors to be a part of it culturally and and to contribute to what the store represents in the community. And uh, yeah, so it w- it was welcome. Although being a part of the store musically, and then sort of uh, heading out into the world, thinking that you have something that's worth hearing, are such two different conversations. Hmm. Um, but but it was the best place to grow up and learn for me because um, getting to repair guitars and work on instruments getting to rehair violin bows and, and set sound posts and cellos and violins and stuff like that. Uh, it gives, it, it, it taught me, you know, I learned to appreciate the instruments before I appreciated the sound they made. Hmm. So I came, kind of came up through my musical awareness in a different way. Just, um, just the sort of aesthetic beauty. Of yeah, these, yeah. Yeah. The aesthetic beauty and, and yeah. And what makes, yeah. What makes up, the, the inner workings of the instruments themselves and their just their essence, but I mean obviously the music is is always there. The music is <laughs> whether there, you know, whether you know it or not. But no, you don't ever. I mean, dreaming is dreaming, but folk music is folk music. I have no idea you what know, that means. Y- yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> expect you do. But who in the world thinks that they can take folk music and 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 uh, parade it around the world mm. and 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 be able to even buy themselves a sandwich yeah yeah you know succeeding in folk music is an oxymoron so you have to sort of break the mold every time it's done whether whether it's uh whether whether it's mumford and son Mm -hmm. mumford and sons or or woody guthrie yeah of course you dream yeah same same instrumentation but different well yeah you don't you don't pay, and plus you don't. Growing up in a folk music store, you that the the song you write is the success. Hmm. You know the the community that you establish that you can create a sound worth listening to is a success. So succeeding it, it it also lends itself towards when you succeed on a local level when you can sort of get that feeling. That's as good as anything I've ever accomplished. Mm-hmm. 
being accepted by my own local musical community is success. Well, that's what you're saying. You were saying, you know, you were saying, you know, uh, actually sort of playing around the store and around these people was something very different than, you know, going out in the world. But I, I would imagine aren't aren't musicians kind of the, the toughest critics of other musicians? Yeah, it's true, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, back to what you were saying, though, you know, I've, I've taught guitar classes and and lessons in ukulele and banjo and all, for for years and years and years but i have i think every young kid that picks up a guitar and learns to play a song envisions him or herself on stage sure. you know um anyway and then what was that said though you also you envision yourself on stage yeah and definitely dreams and in front of the mirror and all the good stuff <laughs> that dreams are made of it's a it's a but but also, you, who, but who, really? You know, it's almost, you. You mean the actual expectation well, that it, that could happen? It almost didn't exist. Like when you're at a certain stage in your musical growth, records are like magic. Mm. Yeah. You're going, these people are magicians and I'm someone who appreciates the magic show. But you got to meet the music, the magicians. <laughs> but again, there was no difference between a local artist who was amazing, yeah. whether it was a, a, a guitar player like Pepper Brown, a, a, one of the greatest songwriters living in America today, Pat Brayer, or or um, Leonard Cohen. There was, I didn't, it was blurred lines. They mm. were all the same. So then you, you kind of grow up with this awareness that, man, if you're going to go out and do this, you know, you got to have the goods on it. You, you just, I don't know. You don't think you can... You, you just got to get the people to show you their magic tricks yeah. enough times to where you can actually do one yourself. All of a sudden, you pull a, a freaking long stream of rainbow flags out of the ear of a rabbit, and the next thing you know, you're on you're on stage in France or something. What, 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 what was a what was a magic trick you learned? What's an example of a magic trick? If you can give, I know you can. I'll can't. give you an example. Okay. I was sitting with my grandmother. Uh, we we're. I was trying to learn a song by Mississippi John Hurt. Mm. No, let's cut back to before that. I was listening to Robert Johnson for the first time. I'm listening to Robert Johnson, and I'm in my teens. And I go, who are these guys? Who are these players here? What are, what's this, what are these guys' names? Mm-hmm. And she goes, man, there's only one guy. Mm. That's Robert Johnson. Yeah. And I'm going, that's one person playing that guitar with mm-hmm. no overdubs? Mm-hmm. She goes, yeah. That's the first magic trick that I saw that I knew I needed to learn. So then I... The next Down to the crossroads. <laughs> but my version of the crossroads was yeah. her coming in the next morning with me slumped over my guitar asleep on the counter yeah. of the music store having practiced all night. Yeah. Ellen, did you, you know, because I'm certainly, um, I'm familiar with you through 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 Ben and, and I probably most listeners are. And I'm wondering if you had made that step out into the world earlier on, you know, how much, how much you were actually going on outside and, and playing. Uh, well, I had been doing a little bit ever, you know, from the time I was 14 or 15, going out to, there was a little venue called the Cat's Pajamas in Pasadena, and, you know, playing around, and um, and I kept it up, in, you know, I went to college, dropped out, but played a little bit, there was a place called the Rouge and Noir in Long Beach, and, um, but I never did, you know, you know, and then, you know, came home, I got married, had kids, yeah. 
and was still playing in bands, but realized that I had to that there was a choice that had to be made. Yeah. Um, it was just too disruptive, and the kinds of to actually pursue that as a career would have meant packing up and leaving home and being gone. And you know, the kids were I was already a single mom, and um, it was the better choice was to to um, keep keep the kids in a stable environment yeah. and postpone whatever. Um, so you did. You didn't expect some some day though to be able to go out. and play No, again. I really. I don't think I really did. I'm. I'm a pretty content person. Just you know, being at home. I, yeah, I went. Yeah, <laughs> I went back good. to school. Yeah. Which I, you know, which is also. I mean, that was a huge draw too. That kind of you know intellectual pursuit. And yeah. um, but I did keep playing. I mean, even you know, even though I say. I didn't pursue, you know, there were certain paths I didn't pursue. I always played and always taught and always wrote. And um, this just happened, you know, Ben's and, and, and I doing this is just the perfect timing. I'm, I'm wondering if either of you ever, ever um, musically rebellious because of this, you know, I, I mean, I... I, you know, I, I see myself, you know, growing up around this music and kind of wanting to maybe go in opposite directions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I turned off the family music switch when I was in my teens and only listened to hip hop. Yeah. That's it. What, 90s hip hop. What brought you back to? Well, it never left, but it was just that that was my youth's music. When that when when License to Ill came out, all bets were off. Yeah. You know, when, when Tougher Than Leather Run DMC came out. Yeah. Fat Boys, all that—it was done. Yeah. I was done. That oh. was that was that was for me. Um, but but the best part, no, no. But I, you're able. I'm able to take aspects and elements of yeah. of that sound and, and put it into what I do. And and uh, yeah, the, my roots were too deep, so I, I had to. You have to do what's what you feel, and so I, I pursued that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I guess it's 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 kind of a hacky question, but it's got to be asked: is what what is it about this music that brought you back? Oh, well, that's the question of all music, really. Yeah. You know, I mean, why would anybody... Have you seen the Raleigh Ringers? Mm-mm. The Raleigh Ringers... <laughs> you got to YouTube the Raleigh Ringers yeah. because they play bells uh-huh. of all sizes. Okay. I mean, giant bells that are... Uh, that where the, the circumference is maybe three feet. These giant bells. And they ring them and they slam them and they play them. Yeah. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> who who does that? Who yeah. who ends up being a Raleigh ringer, and who grows up with the ambition to be a Raleigh ringer? But people do, you know. And who want who play? They're professional timpani drum players. How does that happen? But uh, you know, you just got to go go to what what what's the indefinable sure. reasons that we it's do what we in do your, in your blood. Oh, man, yeah. and that's the best part of it. I mean, obviously, you've got. Um, you know, quite literally, you have this this built-in tour in place. So you've got this album coming out, and you you can play it in front of people who yeah, that that works out. The timing's perfectly. Too good. Who, you know, who are um, who, who can buy tickets, and, and and people know your know your name already. But I, I'm wondering if you here's the part about that. Though. I don't mean to cut yeah, you off, no, no, but no, you, every no. record you got to start over. Okay. Yeah. Every record, if you no. don't approach every record as if it's your first, sure, you're going to be hard pressed to, to at least. In the music business, hard pressed to keep moving forward. And and you've you know and you've played you know you did the, the Charlie Musselwhite record and you've you've done every record your first yeah. record, whether you have one or twenty, yeah, it's your first record. 
And, and I'm wondering, you know, especially in this configuration, um, given who's playing on it, given the subject matter, if if you expect this to um, hit a different audience, you know, is this is this going to play mostly to your core of fans or? God, I really don't know. You always want to keep reaching and stretching out and hopefully reaching new people of new ages and generations. And I think it has the potential to not only touch on people who are interested in what I do, but people who may have not heard of me at all. Mm. I'm hoping so. I like to keep expanding and, and, and growing. There's, there's sort of a timeless quality of the music. Okay, that, thank you. That was, I assume that was something you were going for. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're going for timeless, you're lost. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to go for that timeless sound. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, you but know, that I mean, why? But I mean, yeah. But in time, there's no auto tune on it. That's, that, you know what I mean? Like, there's fair no, enough. You know. No, and that's point well taken. No, and, it's, and, and like you said, like matter of fact, know. there's not even a, a, nothing's plugged in. There's not one instrument on this record that's plugged in. Yeah, I think you, I think I, I think I read in the press material. You, you compared it to the early early Elvis records. Yeah, that that was that was a temp, production template for sure. <laughs> yeah, where his voice was was every instrument and everything else was the supporting cast and. His why? Yeah. Why not? Why not plug anything in? It. We. The first three songs: uh, acoustic piano, uh, yeah. uh, sparse drums, acoustic bass, and acoustic guitar. And, and we were. We kind of had a, a sound that we recognized fit the music the best. Yeah. It's. A, you, you had mentioned that earlier. You know, you had to get those first three songs in place, and then everything else kind of fell in line. I think things started falling in line with the first song. You know, we did "Born to Love You" first, yeah. and that, and I mean, I didn't maybe didn't realize it at the time, but in retrospect, I certainly think that's that song set the tone mm-hmm. for the album. What do you? No, no, I'm with you. That song because my mom walked in and we were going to look at doing another song to start with, and then I, mom walked in and I was playing that on mm-hmm. the piano. All of a sudden, I heard a harmony over my shoulder, and it was my mom, <laughs> and we just kind of said, "Okay, let's." Roll tape. I guess we're doing this. Yeah, yeah. And and it, and at the time, the only things that were, the, the you know, the bass player was kind of mic'd and up, and the yeah. drummer was up, and I was on the piano and the acoustic. Jason, we should introduce the band as well because they're such they're they're such a huge part of the sound. You know, when you are doing a record that's sparse, it comes down to the musicians yeah. that are playing. I mean, they they end up being the symphony. And uh, Jimmy Paxson on drums is really the engine behind this record. Jimmy, the way he approaches drums is is different than anyone I've ever met uh, and it's just it's as melodic as it is rhythmic and then uh, Jesse Ingalls on bass and his touch on the upright bass is, is special his, uh, electric and upright bass and uh, Jason Mazursky just very on guitar special musician special guys and they also you know they made my mom made my mom they they were a huge part of my mom's comfort because they they move quick, don't they? You just you present them a song, and the next thing you know, it, it that's what made being in the studio not work. I mean, I'd say, well, you know, here's a song. I'm thinking about this, and I play it, and you know, they're listening, and maybe yeah. Sometimes he Ben Ben says the sign of a, the sign of a good producer is knowing when to leave. Is that what it was? But uh, you know, and, and then I'd say, well, I you know, I kind of like on the farmer's daughter song. You know, I kind of don't want it to have that you know one and two and you know i kind of play it with a little bit of it and jimmy's just the next thing i know he's just right there with the perfect 
Did, did you watch her? Was she timid at first, and then she's sort of calling the shots by the end? It sounds like when you're in your comfort zone. I mean, there. I, my mom has a very specific way of, and I think I get that from her, knowing when to be assertive and also when to let people run with their perspectives and ideas for the better of the session and the song. You have that, so you know. There's a moment where, yeah, if, if you mis- although if you mistake it for timidity, you'll get cut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, I think there's John- to, to, well, you know, in a yeah. in a nice way. Yeah, a pleasant cut. I was, I was just gonna say, I think there's uh, the director John Ford has a quote about um, directing is directing is casting. It's just it's hiring the right people and then pointing a camera at them. I like, yeah, yes, I'm. I'm I subscribe. There you go. That was uh, Ben and, and Ellen Harper. It was uh, fun and kind of unexpected. I got a, a, an email from, uh, from a press person asking if I want to interview Ben Harper and his mother, and I said yes. So of course I will. Of course I will do that interview. Uh, so I met them at the uh, the, the Ritz Carlton at Central Park in Manhattan, which is the first time that I've actually been allowed in the, the Ritz Carlton for any extended period of time. Um, I I didn't really I didn't really know what I was getting myself into from an interview standpoint. I mean obviously, you know, Ben has been um around the, the interview block. Uh, you know, he's had all sorts of successful records and has run all kinds of Gram- Grammys, but, uh, you know, his mom hasn't really been playing music professionally and, you know, in a number of years. She's been running the, um, the Claremont Folk Music Center out of uh, Claremont, California, um, been playing a little bit of music on the side and, and you know, raising her family. So I was very curious as to, um, you know, how she would take to the interview. So I was, I was speaking to her rep beforehand and she told me, season pro um so i met up with them they had just gotten off the interview uh just gotten off the phone with um, somebody in, in australia uh they had done um chris hayes's show the the day before on msnbc and were a couple of days from from going to uh, to europe to do a, a large-scale european tour um so you know she hadn't played music for um professionally for a long time and was just kind of being tossed right into it but I you know I did a really awesome job I think seems like like a natural uh, the new album is is out right now it's called Childhood Home uh, I think you can actually stream it over on Rolling Stone uh, good Mother's Day gift out just in time for Mother's Day so uh, happy Mother's Day to, to every everybody my mom included um, thanks to uh, Brian for editing that one together thanks to everybody at Shorefire for um, setting that one up it was a lot of fun uh, thanks to Mark and everybody else at Boing Boing for uh, hosting the podcast as per usual lots of great shows over there you can check them out on boingboing.net um, you can also check all the shows out over on iTunes and while you're at iTunes why not um why not, why not take the time to, uh, to rate the show? It's my, it's my birthday this week. That's the only thing I ask is <laughs> rating, for, <laughs> rating for my podcast. Uh, we've got uh, all sorts of great shows lined up. I've got like uh, about two months worth in the can right now and lots of um, really excellent ones that I'm excited about. So um, we uh, will catch you just about this time next week for another episode of RIYL.